Hello, everybody. Open this up in our headphones, Charles. I'm going to need a little more in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, more of the mix, more of the mix indeed. Hello, everybody, one and all. That was that was amazing, Leopold. Thank you so much for being on. I, I I could do the whole routine, but guys, we have Levi Jacobs on the show. We just need to acknowledge that right out of the gate. Levi Jacobs, author of the Tide Collar Chronicles and so many other amazing stories. Thank you for being on the show. It's my pleasure, and I'm super pumped for this one. I've wanted to be on an FCF for a long time. You guys know that. I think every listener out there also wishes they could be in this hot seat right now, <laughs> ready to create some yeah. fantasy. <laughs> you do us way too much kindness. We always feel like uh, FCF is the is just the off the rails. So to hear you come at it in the <laughs> best kind of way. I mean, my yes. message to all of them out there is like, you'll get your 15 minutes of fame. Never stop believing. <laughs> this will be you. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's very inspirational, guys. Welcome to the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friends, Charles. Yes. Yes, that's right. We tease. And Levi. Charles and Levi. Yes. Yes, of course. (laughs) You are an honorary friend, of course. Friend of the show, Levi Jacobs. We're super happy to have you on um yeah this is friends creating fantasy and i know dylan yeah you please come on in and i just well i want to talk i want to say some nice things about levi because he's awesome no number one is he's just an awesome dude and we're super happy that he's back he also happens to be an incredible writer and a self-published fantasy blog off also known as spiffbo finalist over here we're honored to have someone like that on and yeah like charles said tide caller chronicles author also author of the resonant saga and we have we have book two of the tide caller chronicles yes. Is out. Charles and I yes that's witch of wealth and ruin yeah. And we're so pumped. And Levi, yeah, we're so pumped about getting into that book soon. <laughs> oh, and man. We're, yes. We're it's on pumped. sale now. Mm-hmm. Guys, Google yes. Authors Direct Levi Jacobs and Ooh. buy all the stuff. And Authors Direct is a. Uh, Levi, you'll have to chime in, but I, it, it's it's more author friendly, right? Than yeah, so another it's, site. A, it's instead of me being beholden to like the, the giants who then take my book and sell it for what they want to and have control over uh, how it looks, but mostly about the price and, and like how, uh, yeah, how much time it takes to come out. I have complete control on this one. So it's just for audiobooks, but um, you'll find my audiobooks there cheaper than you can find them anywhere else. And still paradoxically, I will be I will make more money if you buy them there. So, um, <laughs> That's uh, awesome. You pay less. Yeah. Levi makes more. I don't think it gets much better than that. So it does. Yeah. It's and Levi, I want to say, so first off, we love daughter Flynn Fury. We talked about that yeah, way back. We yeah. interviewed you way back and that was such a blast. And we, it was the kind of thing that when Charles and I, had you on immediately after like, he was so awesome. Like, he's just, <laughs> it felt like, you know, Charles and I are lifelong friends as part of the whole shtick and all right. that kind of stuff. And we immediately just felt like you were 
part of the crew and you're so much fun <laughs> to hang out with even you know when we we're talking before this too so totally. i'll say all that awesome dude and i highly recommend uh, levi's books and and checking out the interview and the and our discussion of daughter fun <laughs> definitely yeah, check a good episode yeah oh, well. i mean i felt very flattered when i when i listened to your uh spoiler free oh. review of it i was like oh <laughs> these people who you were not friends yet at the time that's right i was like ah they had no reason to say nice things and they still did <laughs> we had we had nice we had reasons reason. it was the work that yes. you created and dylan <laughs> dylan i gotta ask you a question can you believe that we have a spiffbo finalist on friends creating fantasy today like what <laughs> yeah, are we doing here <laughs> and it's it's a good thing we get along so well because this series this friends creating fantasy gets a little bit off the rails we literally mm-hmm. do not prepare anything. It's all improvisation. So it is going to be the three of us. And I actually feel uh, much more comfortable now that we have yes. a published author in the a works. A real live writer. <laughs> <laughs> like that's going to actually feel a bit more relieved now. But you never know. The, the generator can give it and take it away. So the way this yes, works. And I feel like- oh, go for it. Well, I was gonna—I was just gonna add uh, to the folks at home that the stakes are high tonight because I am in Ooh. the market for a new story to write. Um, I'm looking for a fun project over the summer uh, for me to dictate as I drive long distance, which is a part of my summers. And who knows? The friends may create uh, <laughs> the bones of a fantasy to be released in fully fleshed form later on. You heard so. it here, listeners. We could <laughs> potentially be uh, the genesis of an actual book, a published book. I mean, usually you, you just get some outlines out of us at the end of the episode, but who knows? Hopefully we may be able to in- inspire Levi to go off and write another one of his wonderful stories. I mean, can you imagine such a thing, Dylan? <laughs> I... I hope it happens. We're going to try really hard. I'll say something else. I'll say something else, which is that it's totally cool if you walk away not feeling like this is the story for you to tell. Just put a bunch of nonsense together. And I do not want there to be pressure on you. We would be absolutely honored. It'd be so much fun if you took that awesome authorly voice to one of our stories, but just hanging out with us and and doing one of these friends creating fantasy is more than enough. So that Levi, that's fun stakes. I'm gonna put in my all to try to make it happen. <laughs> Me too. Let's do this. So I'm really into my all too. Yes. Make the best story all right. we can. Guys, we're gonna make the best story possible. We're getting this thing published, guys. Let's make it happen. That's and great. so let's just go ahead and quickly explain how Friends Creating Fantasy works, guys. We're trying mm. to improvise a book outline, and we're going to do that by randomly generating a book title. We're gonna randomly generate a protagonist, and we're gonna randomly generate an antagonist and from there we're going to see what we can come up with so let's not delay any longer let's start with the book title now normally dylan and i we each go to the generator of very common words you see in fantasy titles things like dagger dragon storm blade and we each pick one and use that to make a title but 
because Levi is here and because the Tide mm. Collar Chronicles book format, which is available for sale right now, by the way, as you're listening, <laughs> uses a three noun structure. We've got uh, we've got Daughter of Flood and Fury and we've got Witch of Wealth and Ruin. So why not pick three nouns with three people and get that title going? So I think that's a great place to start. And if you guys are ready, I think we just need to, to go for it. I'm ready. All right. One noun from each friend. All right. Shall we get the generator pumping? Let's get it pumping, guys. Here we go. Beep, boop, beep. Beep, boop, All right. (laughs) All right. So. Okay. Oh, I've got a good one. All right. uh, Levi, as our guest, would you do the honors of giving us the first book noun? The the generator has handed me song. Oh, okay. So if you got ice and fire, we've got trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we've got a hit on our hands what are you talking about <laughs> uh so i will do mine next and my word is dagger nice Ooh. nice nice and dylan betrayal oh man oh betrayal song of betrayal's dagger <laughs> the dagger <laughs> of the betrayal, betrayal and song, song. I think Dagger of Betrayal and Song kind of has a nice little ring to it. What about Song of Betrayal and Dagger? Okay. That's a good one, too. Yeah, or Song of Dagger and Betrayal sounds a little bit better, (laughs) I think. Um, Song of Dagger and Betrayal. My vote, and again, I'm not going to go off and write this thing, so take that for what you will. I kind of like Dagger of Betrayal and Song. Mm-hmm. I like the flow of that. Okay, but I'm open to other ideas. Yeah. So Levi? the 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 of the x of x and is how I titled my books, and I think <laughs> yes. it's good. Um, yeah. Dagger of betrayal and song. Mm-hmm. I think that we just need to throw some of these out there, and then as we're getting into the meat of yeah. the concept, something will make a lot of sense. Right. And we can, you know, we can pluralize the words we can add even okay. more words like we're but you know Dude, songs me, of something sounds interesting like songs yeah. of daggers and betrayal okay okay cool. what yeah and what i like about prioritizing the song aspect of it is it kind of makes it a it's like how a song of ice and fire is supposed to be like it's a story of right right that's a good point icy characteristics and fiery characteristics so it's like it gives us a lot of freedom to work with this like this is the song we're telling of these things but yeah, the dagger a, a of something of yeah yeah it okay seems like you're gonna be handed an artifact rather than a book i'm happy to go that direction should we do songs of songs of dagger songs. And, and betrayal Song or, of Daggers and Betrayal? Was that what it was? Or is it both yeah. pl- songs of daggers and betrayal? Or I like song of... singular. Okay. okay. Ooh, song yeah. of, song of. I like that. Yep. Song, song of, of Song of Daggers and Betrayal. I like Song of Daggers and Betrayal. Let's, All right. Let's, let's pencil that right. in. Song let's Okay guys, we got a title. Song of Daggers and Betrayal. 
Excellent. Now, okay. that is an excellent title. I, we did it. I was kind of nervous about the three-noun format, but you know what? We powered through, and I think we did it well. Oh, we no, did it. no feelings were hurt. We're great collaborators so far. Charles, you saying no feelings were hurt after your idea didn't get picked does make me feel like maybe something. Oh, I'm saying it. that's, that's this won't be the only song of betrayal, I think, by the end of this. So. <laughs> Uh, already my co-host yeah. siding with levi over here no i'm kidding let's get <laughs> i'm supposed to be the swing vote oh, not the, i'm not trying to be the yoko ono of this beetle <laughs> oh man so no but i'm I, yeah, we collaborate we put ideas out there and we come up with the best idea and i think that's what we did today but we got more exciting stuff to generate yes. here. Yes. When we go to generate protagonists and antagonists, we're generating two things. Okay, we're generating the role, and that is like the: are they a princess, a warrior, a king, a queen, a knight, a philosopher? And then we're also generating a trope: are they an antihero, a chosen one, a secret heir, a reluctant hero? Ooh. There's so many options. So by choosing one of each, we have our first character and. Traditionally, we generate the protagonist first. Now, I believe, mm. Levi, you are going to generate the role for us for our protagonist. And then, Dylan, yes. you will generate the trope. Indeed. So whenever you're ready, okay. Levi, we will take that role of All our right. hero. So there's Man, there's one in this list, but it fits a little bit too well with song. I've always wanted, I'm, I have not chosen yet. I'm not trying to influence the generator because of ways <laughs> Is it Bard? Me. But Bard would be pretty <laughs> awesome. Just saying it. Okay, so here we go. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Boop, beep. It shares a lot of letters with Bard, but is it in fact, it is in fact Barbarian. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. There's a lot but of daggers involved. Belting out drinking songs in a tavern. All right. Yeah. So we've got Barbarian. Now, Dylan, what kind of Barbarian do we have as our oh, protagonist? So Let's ask the generator. Beep, uh-huh. boop. Beep, it is an anti-hero. Oh. Yeah. Got a little bit of a Logan Nine fingers type awesome. situation for our yep. first law fans, an anti-hero barbarian protagonist. And awesome. Yeah. That's the, the a classic. Stuff, Levi? <laughs> yes, the interesting stuff, Levi, is when it spits out things like an anti-hero villain. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was our first one ever. We're like, is this a horrible idea for a show? <laughs> It was a sidekick. It was a sidekick protagonist. Right now, (laughs) sidekick protagonist. That sounds great. It it ended up working out for us. But barbarian antihero. I think that's just a classic. We'll see if we can come up with something inspired around that. But I do like the sounds of it. Levi, don't you love Conan? Uh, yeah, big? so when you said Logan Nine Figures, I was about to say yes. Conan the Barbarian. There you go. My, uh, my first never to be published unless it's under um, a particular brand we discussed before, but these, <laughs> these things are all in the works. We're not at liberty to discuss right now. That's but right. I do have a Trump novel that mm. may or may not be released uh, Ooh. under the aegis of some friends, uh, which was written about Conan the Barbarian. He was... Yeah, he was a big part of my childhood. The only comic books that I really read, and I read all of them. It was my introduction to Robert Jordan. Before I read Wheel of Time, Mm. I read his Conan novels. He wrote six of them. Wow. As sort of like a throat clearing before he wrote his, like... I gotcha. He also wrote some very racy historical fantasy about the Civil War, or historical fiction. Oh, interesting. Those were his first novels, and they are wildly different. And it does not fade to black at the mention of... uh, 
of any kind of sex. It uh, very much goes into detail. So mm. it's shocking <laughs> if you used a Wheel of Time. That That's is, a digression. Yeah. That is shocking, though. And as a, we're currently buddy reading Wheel of Time alongside a bunch of other books. So <laughs> totally. I, it is interesting thinking about Robert Jordan writing those. And did I tell on myself that's supposed to be Conan? Not like, I was like, Conan. And people are like, oh, do hey, Dylan, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if Levi being a Conan O'Brien fan is relevant to this conversation. But... <laughs> I know, I feel like you would get added. People would add you if you said Conan. It is definitely Conan. Conan. Okay. All right. So I, I feel good then that we're still kind of in your, your lane of inspiration then with our barbarian. Oh, man, we're in my deer. wheelhouse with this one. That's yeah. good to I hear. I think it counts as an antihero. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think we can we can do some good work with that as a protagonist. Certainly a lot For of sure. opportunity there. But let's see if the uh, podcasting gods will continue to shine on us when yes. we go to generate Ooh. our antagonist in exactly the same way. Uh, Levi yes. will generate a role for us and Dylan will generate a trope for us. And that will put okay. our whole story together. So this one is for all the marbles in some, in some ways. So... Mm. I'm summoning Ooh. up the generator. I'm whispering a, a quick prayer. I'm generating <laughs> gods. And beep, beep. Uh, I'm going to click again because I don't think it came up with Barbarian twice. Ah, we can't oh, yeah. have two Barbarians. <laughs> we usually have it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't like to duplicate. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like the dupes are no good. Um, so... We have come up with an antagonist. This may sound familiar to those of you who are true FCF fans and Uh take notes as I do on every episode because our antagonist role is Priest. Oh, that's right. Back in the mix. As the antag. Same Priest. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, was he protag in the last one? No, he was antag, I think. No, he was antag. I think he was the antag. It was in like a. Yeah. I forget the other type, like the archetype for it, but it was nothing good. <laughs> it, was, it was like a vengeful <laughs> priest or something like that. I'm oh, yeah, say. vengeful priest and like rightful chosen one or something. Or chosen or, king. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chosen one king and yeah. Okay, right. well, okay. shall yep. I get mine going? Yes, yes Dylan, go. what kind of archetype is this? A trope, I guess, is this, is this antagonist priest character? Let's ask the generator. Beep, boop, beep. The priest has been orphaned. An orphaned priest. Oh, man. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tragic backstory. I kind of like that. I'm like, was he orphaned by this barbarian or by a barbarian tribe? You see, this is why we have you on, (laughs) Levi, because it's just immediate, like, okay, I have these things at my disposal. How do I... You you have basically two tools at your disposal, protagonist and antagonist, and you're ready to use them in an interesting way. So I love the idea... tie them together tightly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I like that as a good place to start. All right. There there is betrayal in this, too, I want to say. which right. And daggers. (laughs) Daggers, so I imagine there's a dagger involved in this. And then, yeah, if our priest has been orphaned by Mm -hmm. our anti-hero barbarian, maybe it was a betrayal. That okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh man, I feel like it's it's a classic story of 
you know, like like Red Sister, where uh, the orphan mm. enters into some kind of monastery and is is raised under the aegis of the the religion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that works really well. Uh, I feel like the betrayal needs to happen later on. I think it needs to happen on screen. I mean, there can be more betrayal behind. Yes. What if? So what if it's one of those books where and. Well, I won't spoil anything, but what if it's one of those books <laughs> where the, you think that the title is referencing the betrayal that's in the backstory, yes. and then the big reveal at the end is a betrayal that you didn't see coming? Totally. I mean, what? Okay, the priest is the antagonist, so we have to tread lightly because this is not saying that all priests or religions are yeah. bad, but in this story, this is what's going down. What if our barbarian was quite devout? And he felt betrayed by the religion. Ooh. A religious mm. barbarian. It's I kind of like that. That's I not a like trope we're used to seeing. Very often. Exactly. No. Yeah. It's kind or if of a... they, if they, yeah, if they have beliefs, they're like very simple. Like Conan had Krom and, you know, like they may have like found their like code of morality in the world, but I don't feel like they're going to find them like, you know, observing prayers five times a day or something. Right. Mm. Yeah, a de- like a devout barbarian <laughs> in religion. That's got some just, promise Just to a it. possibility. The, just throwing it out the, there. The other thing we have here is that our barbarian is an anti-hero. So oh, we great. are yeah. very much allowed to play with the idea that the villain, this priest who's been orphaned, has actually been in the right. Because okay. our an- we're yeah, we've got an anti-hero, so they're not necessarily a... a a typical heroic protagonist. Right. That's right. well said because here's like my concern with the, like, here's where we could go wrong. We've got a title that sounds like uh, Song of Ice and Fire. We've got a <laughs> barbarian antihero and then a priest antagonist, right? Like these yeah. are, mm-hmm. these are things that we've seen a lot. But I think if we mm-hmm. try and like see how can we spice these expectations up a little mm-hmm. bit? And I kind of like the idea. Yes, the priest is the antagonist, but is he like a villain? You know, and then this idea of yes, the barbarian is an antihero, but is he maybe also have an interesting streak to his characteristic? Like he's a, he's a he's a devout in his religion, or you know maybe he's uh, I'm not sure. We can spin it in some way, but that to me uh, perks my ears up a little bit and that adds a little spice to the story, which is what excites me the most about these these matchups here. Or so, uh, yeah, another thing that came to mind rather than barbarian or barbarian's tribe having been the one to orphan the priest is what if this anti hero barbarian was also a delinquent father mm. of said priest? This is the backstory that comes oh, up crap. much later. So he grew up with his mom, and then something happens to mom. He's an orphan, joins the monastery, and then he finds out that Conan, etc., was his dad. Oh, be interesting. so okay. Here's so another a betrayal interesting, in the yeah. backstory. I like this parental bit, and I want to say something that we don't see a lot in fantasy is a a woman barbarian character. Oh, so okay. I wonder, Excellent. Levi, if you'd be open to the idea yeah. of a mother instead of oh, a yeah. father in this And situation. here's also it's what I like about yeah. that. Don't know if I can piggyback totally. up a second. We don't often no. see how many times does a character in a fantasy novel become orphaned, right? How often do we see a character right. get orphaned and then like the mom's back in the picture and right. is a central character in the story? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the implications there? That's interesting. That's exciting. Mm, that is interesting. 
Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got mother characters on my mind. We just <laughs> literally our last episode, I think, was the like our favorite mothers in science fiction. Oh, and that's so cool. I was so, just yeah. uh, I just interviewed a uh, uh, fellow Spiffle finalist, Virginia McLean, just came out with she's got this Japanese nice. inspired fantasy that's mm-hmm. like features two moms and the one mom is a warrior mom and she like has to take her three year old with her when she goes off on this like epic adventure oh. we were talking about. Uh, it's so funny that we were also talking about how we just don't have very many moms or perhaps we don't have enough moms yeah. in fantasy. And to me, the thing about a mother is like they, their motivation is going to be, or it will often be so rock solid and they have so much skin in the game because they've got something to lose. Whereas you're like typical rogue Conan characters. Like, I don't really care. I came in on the breeze. I'm going to leave the same way. And it doesn't end up like, it can be hard to get them really motivated to do something in the story. Yeah, it could be yeah. interesting also if they just weren't a great mom. Like, I feel yeah. like when, when characters are moms, like, that, that's part of their role in the story. They always either have lots of wisdom or unconditional love, which is always great. But it would just be fun to have a character who's a mom, but is also, like, not great at it or yeah. doesn't enjoy being a mom or something like that. And still be the protagonist of the story like that has a bit of drama in the mix that we don't normally see around motherhood and fantasy so i think that could be interesting as well totally yeah our the our favorite characters for most part that came up in that favorite mothers in fantasy episode Uh was uh, was they were like these more complex figures that have different relationships oftentimes like different kids like Catelyn Stark was among them right and she's a fantastic mother in a lot of ways but has complicated relationships with like folks like John and stuff like that so right. I think that it, yeah I, I love the idea especially with Mother's Day having just passed and all this kind of stuff to get into a, a complex mother and maybe some I, I kind of want redemption not just okay. for me personally, but for, <laughs> no comment. But for our character. mom, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> things are She's fine. Not. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, I guess we do need redemption. <laughs> so, uh, it's funny. Phil, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't make a joke about that. <laughs> we shall definitely look for redemption for all of us and uh, i think one of the people that c- could get some chance at redemption here is our anti-hero yeah Another barbarian character i just think this would be such a unique character in fantasy of complicated mother who's a barbarian that used to be religious is like there's a lot going oh, on yeah, yeah if we use all of this and also um getting away from the trope if we do go with her uh being mother of antagonist that puts her yeah. in an age range that we're not as used to seeing because if our hmm. antagonist is 20 you know, like even with things moving fast, like uh, mom's going to be 35 at least, or maybe 40. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. kind of older than we're used to seeing barbarians. I mean, because they, you know, like. Yeah. yeah. And that's a fast. good age for this barbarian to kind of rethink life and maybe even slow right. down a little bit or something, or maybe like this one hang last. Up the sword. This, yeah. Ooh. Hang up the dagger. <laughs> and maybe this ah. one, this one last, uh, <laughs> this one last charge or something, you know, like that kind of, that kind of trope. I, I just like this idea that maybe the this barbarian antihero like towards the end is starting to realize that they've maybe been a crappy parent and they look on their 
their antag oh, okay. uh their antag's uh air and it's like i'm i'm sorry you know i and i have pity on you you know almost and then the antag whether they change as a result of that or not if they're just angry that could be interesting as as well i like this dynamic i think we're pretty much i think we've already decided that these are the roles that we're slating for these characters right are we all uh, in agreement that we've got a older female barbarian anti-hero who is the mother of Mm -hmm. our orphan priest antagonist (laughs) everyone following at home (laughs) yeah and midlife crisis (laughs) is what i was thinking charles yeah you're saying this like oh it's like time to reassess and yeah exactly a little bit older because you've got an adult kid i'm thinking like this is a barbarian that's been doing kind of the conan (laughs) thing for a while and out there living her life and she has reached a point now she's getting older she's not as strong or fast as she used to be she's doing that reassessing and it's like this midlife crisis of like oh like now i've realized that the important thing is motherhood and family and and relationships (laughs) and she's like returning to try to suddenly like be that in her adult son's life and he's like i found religion i have this all together already i'm not looking for that from you but she totally. is an anti-hero, though. I, I want to make sure we incorporate some of these anti-hero tropes. Like, yeah, maybe, types. like, what if she is, like, uh, like she's like, you know what, I'm going to switch to kind of more bounty hunting, try something different, and the bounty <laughs> taken out is on her son, who she knows about, but she oh. abandoned long ago. And then she sees him, she's like, uh, number one, I, I don't know if I can kill my own prodigy. Number two, he needs yeah. to be killed because he's a bad guy. Um, before we go there or not, mm. I just wanted to say that, like, if the if the book is a little bit lighter in tone, I can see such a good opening scene for this, where we open with her and she's in the middle of a battle and she's just like slaying and conquering. Yeah. But she's also like, ah, oh, my left shoulder hurts because there's a rainstorm coming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And all my joints. Like, <laughs> so, she's oh, okay. She's like, I slash his throat, but you know what? These Nubians always get their throat slashed because they don't have proper I- armor. <laughs> I don't know if you've read Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames, but uh, it's yeah. a f- uh, it's got that awesome uh, past their prime, really incredible <laughs> adventurers totally. who Band yeah used to be the best together. in the biz. And it's yeah, and it's so funny. It's so good how he uses that. And I'd love the idea to to see you take your authorial voice totally. to that, Levi, and <laughs> see what you see what kind of fun you have with oh, I think it'd be past a lot her of fun. prime barbarian. I mean, we could oh, flip yeah. it around also because there's always this trope of like um, there's the orphan who's trying to find their parents, right? And what if the inciting incident here is the priest just trying to locate their their mother or they're like they get wind that oh their biological parent is out there somewhere and they're like okay well i i should track them down and see what they're like and then it's this uh, barbarian character who's like who are you like what what's happening <laughs> and why am i supposed to care that you exist you know that that could be a potential inciting incident as well because i love the opening and establishing this barbarian character right away as someone who's a bit past their prime and but still kind of badass and and just trying to have that person have an emotional connection or this complicated relationship with a progeny is is, to me fun 
Okay, so what if, um, so if we're keeping with antagonist's villain, which doesn't have to, that doesn't have to be the case, but mm -hmm. what if the priesthood that's raised uh, our antagonist is like an evil priesthood, sort of more like you see in Sword and Sorcerer, or they're necromancers or whatever, and mm -hmm. he's on a mission as antagonist to find his mother because to come into his ultimate power, he has to kill her. Oh crap! Because then you have betrayal so on seeking him out. She's like, I don't know. I had a baby a while ago, and I knew that yeah. I'd be an awful mom. I gave him to the priest, and I left. Yeah, town. I kind of like this direction because we can get it on the theme of betrayal on multiple levels, right? There's the betrayal mm. of a parent abandoning a child, and then there's the betrayal of maybe this this child growing up to become an adult that then like is hunting down this. Her, his own mother or her own mother I, i'm not yeah. married to the gender of this character Ooh, but mother daughter story levi that's <laughs> okay. another option totally yeah uh, yeah I love it. there's mother son stories i, I could think be interesting I, too but i, I think being open I, to both i'm is, open to both i, I yeah. think they both present different interesting ideas and 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 themes um I was envisioning the priest as, as male just subconsciously I was but too. I, well I, it's a it's a male word but yeah, I mean, right. don't because it's not priestess, but right. priestess, yeah, right. That's that's fair. But you know, to be to be fair or unfair to ourselves, did we make the list with both genders for all of those words, or does it just say priest and on to the next one? I think it's... the way we do it is we can gender swap whatever. It's the the yeah. really the intention of yeah. priest was the holy figure. You yeah, know? totally. So it could yeah. be priest. We priest are not that. We are not that strict to the to the code here. Totally. <laughs> yep. um yeah i like both of those yeah and i think we can keep it as kind of nebulous until yeah. we have a reason to choose one kind of yeah yeah to choose one so we'll shoot for using they for the time being and we yeah. can see or yeah a non-binary can be yeah, in the maybe mix they're just of, straight up non-binary so <laughs> yeah so yeah and honestly if it ends up not playing a role maybe that's the way to do it or whatever you yeah. make sense for you levi if you do end up deciding <laughs> to want to write this we support you and whatever so yeah, yeah. cool all um, right all right so i i i like i feel like we have two possible journeys and it would be really fun to come up with like what is the call to adventure to each of them the one is in midlife crisis the mom is like, okay, I need to, you know, like I had a child 20 years ago. I need to look them up because like, mm -hmm. what am I left with? I've just have all these drinking friends who like, you know, this is not, this yeah. is not the life that I want for the rest of it. Or we have um child seeking them out, or we could have both, um, Ooh. which seems a little bit like, so I have a problem with uh, books that have too many coincidences in them. I feel like you get mm. one free coincidence where like your characters meet for the first time or whatever. And then after that, if it happens again, this is one of the reasons I get annoyed with Star Wars because they go to a planet and they run into their friends. I'm like, no, planets are big. <laughs> yeah. Like you can do that once. And, and then universes you are big. To, like give me some force mumbo jumbo. Right. Uh, Robert yeah. Jordan has the Taviran, which I think is like at once very lazy and brilliant because he can just say, well, they're Taviran. So they're yeah. the pattern. He does know. that line it, really it is. well. It's actually... Him. It's pretty brilliant, it's so and also, it is kind of brilliant. yeah, <laughs> I, it's like an I give him props for that. Writing, yeah, but it's smart. It's smart that he thought to do that because it's part of the story. I mean, we won't derail, but 
Right. I'd love to talk more Wheel of Time with you. <laughs> I mean, uh, I need Eli to come on and talk uh, Wheel of Time with you guys at some point. <laughs> and we, we, we have we a lot of opportunities that. coming up. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know that I'm on a summer quest to read all of them, and I'm finally now oh, on the brink of Sanderson, which was the true motivation for doing Ooh. it. I wanted to jump into oh. Sanderson. Couldn't possibly do it because I tried, and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And so I was like, okay, back to Eye of the World. Oh, and gosh. in the course of the last three summers, I have listened to each 50 hour audiobook and now wow. now I'm on to uh, nice. which one is the gathering storm I think okay yeah, yeah we we mm. just finished Levi, book four so I have a very okay. important question which is is Brandon Sanderson st- is Brandon Sanderson still bitter about losing to you in Magic the Gathering have you heard any word on that you know I I <laughs> I watch the headlines sometimes just to see if it's come up and, you know, I'll watch his YouTube updates just to see, but I think what I'm reading between the lines because he hasn't come out publicly is that it's still a tender topic because he hasn't addressed it. And that I think makes we sense. all know that, you know, it's very germane to the times and it's also germane to the topics he's discussing. And so it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a deafening absence is what I would say. He <laughs> prefers to play Demir. And I think I came at him with a gruel deck, which, you know, like, could be a little bit shameful to lose to big creatures and fire spells when you're trying to do this clever stuff. So, you know, I'm going to let him process it in his own time. And I think that that makes when sense. he's ready to go public, mm-hmm. we might, you know, do something together to say, hey, we're still friends after all of this. I, you know, so. Yeah, I, I, I think that's very mature of you, Levi. I think Sanderson <laughs> will address it when he's ready and we won't rush him. Yeah, he's doing some wax and wane stuff now. It's nice. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for him. I really yeah. am. I'm glad he's doing stuff to keep his match. mind <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he's doing all this writing to keep his mind off of things. I'm sure he's still totally. reeling, so. You know, like when I yeah. see the Stormlight Archive and it has thousands of five-star <laughs> reviews, I'm like, you know, at least you've got that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and you see how no. big they are, too. It's like, oh, he really uh, he put his whole effort into it, you know? He's, well, yeah, he's dived in heart and soul after that yeah. last You need something to distract you, and it's really keeping him busy. So. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes. we, got, yes. we got a Thank story you, that Thank we you, need to bring here. Oh, this is not friends creating drama. Yeah, yeah let's... T- <laughs> That'd be great, though. Let's... I don't think Brandon Sanderson listens. <laughs> let's do a quick recap, recap, and then, guys, we got some decisions to make creatively here. So yeah, we have. Where are we at in our time? I feel like we've got a ticking time bomb on us too. Oh. Are we halfway throughish? I haven't been. We'll, get, we'll, we'll give it the time. It we'll needs, give it the time it needs. Traditionally, okay. this would be about the halfway point, but okay. we'll give it the yes, time it needs. And we, yep. we've got "Song of Daggers and Betrayal," starring yep. our barbarian antihero, who is an older. And I say older, I mean like, you know, 40s maybe. Middle-aged, thank you. Uh, Female barbarian who uh, is definitely starting to uh, feel their age a little bit. Past their prime, I think we should say, in terms of their fighting prowess and and everything. And then we have an antagonist, a priest orphaned into the priesthood. And it's the connection that we've decided between them is that this barbarian antihero is the mother to the orphaned priest. And we are now on the verge of coming up with our like call to adventure. And there's been a few ideas tossed around and Dylan, what are we thinking? I, I like proactive protagonists Mm -hmm. as I say often on here. And because of that, I like the idea of the midlife crisis being the call to action because it puts our protagonist in the driver's seat 
of, wow, I'm feeling this way. I'm all freaked out. I want to reassess. I'm going to go do something about that. And I, I'm happy to do both and all that kind of stuff and have the, the other option was kind of the, the priest, uh, something about them initiating it. I'm happy for both of them to be doing stuff, but I, I love when the protagonist is the one driving the plot forward. So that'd be my vote. All right. Totally. Here's I what I'm, that. here's what I'm thinking. Um, when you have like a deadbeat parent that suddenly shows up and is like, I'm trying to do better. And this is a story about betrayal, right? What if we yeah. come up with a reason that she needs someone that shares like her blood or she needs her daughter for some sort of fantasy related selfish reason, almost like, oh, I need a kidney. <laughs> like, like, right. you know, like, like that kind of, because then you bring in some fantasy magic and you bring in the opportunity for betrayal where it's like, I, look, I'm, I'm older now. I'm trying to connect with myself. I need help. Like I'm, I'm in my older age, but it's like, oh, yeah. also I need a vial of your blood or something. Like I, I'm not sure what I, that is. I want to say too. Part of, I think part of this though is that it's. I, I like that. I love working in fantasy elements, all this kind of stuff. But it is ridiculously selfish in a lot of ways already from our oh, anti-hero yeah. barbarian to be like, hey, I left you to your own devices with the, you know, priesthood or whatever. And now I'm showing up because I'm in a midlife crisis and I want you to suddenly be my child now that you are already an adult. That is already, for my, for me, anti-hero move and like super selfish, making it all about yourself. Even if you're like, I want to be a pro-social great mother. It's like you lost that chance when you abandoned me. And I think that's the, that's what's like, that's the depth of the selfishness. Mm. Of course we can add all these fun, fancy elements to it. And but betrayal. To me, that's more selfish Hello. And betrayal. Yeah. Well, they betray. Yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. yeah so yes. there's betrayal in the start. I was going to say that I think that it's such an interesting character to write when they're pulled between this very selfish and perhaps this very virtuous impulse. And that's yeah. a pretty good anti-hero because I feel like when our anti-heroes are our protags, they end up doing something maybe sort of reluctantly that is good. It's like Han Solo showing up in the end of Star Wars mm. or in the end of episode four. You know, like they thought that he'd just taken the money and ran. And mm. he turned out that yeah. he would save his friends. Um, so, I, so like the thought that I had when you said uh, needs a kidney is that perhaps like our uh, barbarian mother has fallen afoul of some kind of sorcerer who's like, I'm going to need like, you know, something of your child. Uh, or else, like, you're going to kill whatever, like, magic mumbo-jumbo. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I think those two motivations would be really fun to have together. Yeah, I think we can tie in both in a way that plays to this theme of the selfishness of trying to insert yourself in a child's life that you've abandoned, which we see in dramas all the time that I think is yeah. very interesting. And then also, like, how can we mix in the fantastic and the betrayal and all of that? And this idea that and maybe... the daggers. And the daggers. Oh, the daggers. Those daggers. Can't forget the daggers. That is a key piece to this story. And the songs, too, guys. Like, don't don't sell the songs well, short. <laughs> okay, so, like, this is, this is, like, suddenly getting pretty hardcore fantastical. But what if she's been stabbed in the course of, like, some gig i'm making her more of a mercenary in my mind but you know like sure. maybe she was a barbarian hunting treasure and she runs afoul of some kind of sorcerer who stabs her and it doesn't kill her but he's like the second that you take this dagger out it's going to unless you put it into like your own progeny 
And so Ooh. this is like oh, a real midlife crisis. Like brutal. I cannot keep walking around with this sticking out of my chest all the time. So it's like kind of a ridiculous thing. Like that she's got this like dagger that that almost brings it time. into like the horror elements. <laughs> like, that's I, true. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of interesting because it's like what do you do? And I think at that I think point? there's hope for redemption there because she may be like you know what like this 20 year old kid like I don't know I just like I'm not done living yet like they owe me this or something so it could be really foul and then they could come up with some solution in the end in which like she stabs child without having to kill child um hmm. but that might be going a little far it'd just be a that's some fun dagger magic I think is that I mean stabbed, but yeah so something that that makes me think of Levi I think it's really interesting is I think what you're saying is really interesting. I hope what I say is interesting too. <laughs> and I think that, so first off, the daggers and the betrayal, there's like an easy connection there of this like yeah. stab in the back. Yeah. I mean, so there's, I think there's something to play with there. And if the dagger's already involved by being literally embedded in our protagonist, it's kind of, it's kind of this thing where you can play with the idea of like, is she going to stab him in the back, literally? Yeah. And then if we want redemption, there's some sort of reason why like she gets the opportunity and she chooses not to do that. Yeah, maybe That's she chooses kinda... to die in the end. Something like that could yeah, be. What if the daggers yeah, like, like what if the daggers like killing them slowly, like some sort of magical poison element like where it gives her that, that sense of pain would have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. So that's exactly what I'm thinking. And uh that way it gives it a sense of urgency to where yeah. she's there could be these moments where she's having a genuine connection with our antagonist here. But then she gets like this painful reminder that she's got a decision to make or something like that. You know, like that could be a piece of it. Right. And I think now like we need to come back to the thread that the generator has has thrust upon us that this child is like sounding pretty virtuous and innocent right now, but they need to be our antagonist. So yes. what what is like what do they Yeah, how are they antagonistic? I the thing that comes up for me is if our protagonist is this anti-hero who's super selfish, at least at the start, and because they will die and they're having a midlife crisis, then <laughs> like you can be the antagonist of that story without being a villain at all. Mm. And we can shoot for a villain, but you can be an antagonist literally by just being like, I don't want you in my life. And I don't want you to stab me to save yourself. <laughs> I I think that yeah. that's interesting. Oh man, what if uh, in order to earn her child's like trevor, um, like uh, he or she is like the thing you need to do is join the priesthood, join the monastery, show us that you can be a devout barbarian, and then I'll consider like lending you some of my life's blood to get the true fish out of water story. I don't mm. know if we're stacking too many stories on top because it's already a midlife crisis story, but she tries something and she's like, maybe I'll be a mercenary, whatever. And that goes afoul and she gets stabbed and then she has to find child. And then the actual thing that she needed was to become devout with child and like, I don't know, do penance for all the awful things she did as a barbarian earlier. It could be an interesting way to go. And I just mm. love the fish out of water story when, uh when somebody has to do something they're so so bad at I, especially if they've been a barbarian that long yeah 
I love this, Levi. I think that <laughs> here's how I'm imagining it now is it starts with this like barbarian, just doing barbarian things. Sure, she's oh. getting old. She's getting a little bit outside of her prime, her shoulders are, and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. She gets stabbed, but and she's still in a place at the point of getting stabbed where, and she's like, oh, I got to search out my progeny, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But she's still in a place of like, I have no intention to stop being a living my yeah. barbarian life. And it's only when she shows up for the completely... A just like basic selfish reason of mm-hmm. I want to get your life's blood or whatever the fantastical yep. element is that's going to save her and the midlife crisis only starts to happen when she's in the middle of that fish out of water mm-hmm. story where she's okay. like now she's actually interacting with her her child uh, her adult child and she's starting to reassess things because of that so she kind of got it's a little bit less proactive but i do think it's more interesting and complex to be like Mm. she goes in completely not meaning to be devout not meaning to be a mother and then Mm -hmm. she's actually starting to come around maybe to the religion and maybe that's helpful and maybe to the idea of motherhood and that's when she's like having this identity conflict like am i a mother now is that something i care about and i then, thought it was just a barbarian what do you then think of then going the completely other way where now that the the son or the daughter has the selfish intent for some reason and it the betrayal flips right it goes from the barbarian going to the progeny for selfish reasons, to then getting a midlife crisis, maybe flirting with some ideas, to then realizing that she was the one being, you know, used or whatever by the child. So the betrayal goes yes. all the way through and back. You know what I'm saying? Like it's then it's a betrayal on both ends. You, know, you get some fancy capital yeah. L literature going in there. Capital L <laughs> Levi. What <do> you think? <laughs> Oh man, a double betrayal. I like it. Um, I just, we need to make it so that it's uh, to return to my dislike of coincidences. It can't be coincidence that child needs something from mom and mom shows up. Um, So it could be a really deep cut where child arranged the knife stabbing, knowing that mom would eventually seek them out. Or, um, or I feel like we have to some, make some other way for it to be like tight We're, and necessary. We could go the way We're of like Abercrombie, where it's just like kind of almost senseless. Where it's like, yeah, I could make a quick buck. I don't know you. Like, you know. I, I like the idea of this. Maybe child does not need the mother character in particular, but they do mm. need some sort of sacrifice okay. for some sort of ritual yeah. or something. And maybe there's some slight characteristic about the uh, barbarian character that makes them a good fit for being a sacrifice but not something that makes them like the chosen one for the sacrifice okay. like they're yeah. just and maybe the sacrifice is just a person and the the priest character is like yeah like we should use my mother for some reason she's trying to come back into my <laughs> life maybe the priest doesn't know about the like hey i need your life's blood to save me from the dagger bit so mother coming in like hey like i'm here i want to be a priestess and i want to be your mother and then they're like okay like i sure yeah come in yeah like be a priestess all this kind of stuff i'll bond with you but this whole time the the character the priest character the child has been plotting to use the mother as a sacrifice or maybe you need to have oh oh like something like i love you or something uh-huh like the mother yep. needs to so 
yeah, you just need love to, for the sacrifice to work. Oh, okay. So that, yeah, so, so that's why the child is getting yeah. better and like finding her midlife like yes. love for her child and changing, then the child is like showing that he or she is not worthy of the love. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But before yeah. that before that they are manipulating the mother into loving them okay and yeah. unbeknownst to the reader i think and unbeknownst to the like you have to yeah uh, i'll trust you if you do write this because you're, <laughs> you're the author here levi uh-huh. i would imagine some like foreshadowing or whatever that in yeah. retrospect you're like oh crap the priest the orphan priest was playing our protagonist the yeah. whole time to yeah. ma- manipulate her into having a true love for a child and then using that to make the sacrifice work and, totally or maybe it's just yeah. like a like you know like if if love is like a particular kind of energy or bond like once you have that from someone then you can begin to like draw out their life force you know but like sure it's like if they truly love you they'll consent to that versus like it's not something that can be taken like I guess there's a lot of ways you yeah. can go with magic. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely see like one of those like villain reveal speeches where it's like, imagine my <laughs> surprise when my own flesh and blood walks right into my, you know, whatever. And seeking to reconnect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there's some magic system with daggers or something where there's energy transfer or life force transfer or something, sacrifice, right? And that can be like the magic system of these like the almost like in in Sanderson's work, almost like hemolurgy, but not exactly. Where it's oh, like right. you you mm-hmm. like stab the person, and then you can work some sort of magic of some kind. And then he's actually using that to his own. Or she, this this priest antagonist character is using that magic as well, just in a way that we weren't expecting until we get this mm-hmm. twist at the end. You know, that could be fun. Like a nice little, a nice little twist here that our antagonist reveals themselves yeah and totally we see all this growth where it's like oh i learned to love my son but then my or daughter i learned to love my child and then my (laughs) child is actually a horrible human being like did i grow at all as a person or what yeah (laughs) like that's it's a little (laughs) it's a little grim dark honestly to have this like you grow as a person and you learn to love and you learn to be a little bit more pro-social and be a good mother and that is punished it's like it a no good a deed goes unpunished yes or, or <laughs> dare so, i say in the hands of you levi it might be uh grumpy dark it could get grumpy it could oh, get very grumpy that would be I grumpy decide <laughs> just which of my two brands i'd publish it under but, um, <laughs> we give a shout out shall we give a shout out to the one and only uh <laughs> levi uh are you Lord referring Grumpy to my, my most vocal and passionate Twitter fan? <laughs> yes, uh, I think yes. it would mean a lot to him if he could hear you on Friends Talking Fantasy. I'm sure he'll listen to this episode because you're on. Uh, <laughs> if, if you could just give a shout out to Lord Grumpy Dark, it'll mean a lot more from you than it'll mean from me. <laughs> LGD, I feel like this has been a long time coming, but Shakespeare said that you write for just one person just one ideal person it's a line from hamlet and when i met you on twitter and i saw the passion the true passion that you held for Jackson and alethea i knew i'd found my true reader <laughs> i i i'm, I'm still not convinced that you're not lord grumpy dark levi i'm just gonna say it <laughs> 
it's difficult to be one's own ideal reader. I well, it's the perfect audience. So what can I say? <laughs> LGD has been very private about their um, identity, and who has the most to gain from his existence? I ask you. And so you know, I'm not entirely convinced it's not you. But, you yeah. know, it's me or Taylor Swift, and one of us mm. needs attention more. That's actually a fair point. <laughs> that's how you throw them off. It's actually Taylor this whole time. That would be a, quite the twist. Because she has such Taylor's a good alibi, and account. I don't. Like, we're not fools, Taylor and I. She knows how to avoid ever being detected in her love for my books. Taylor, you don't well, have to come out. I know you're listening to this, and it's cool. Like, she just you, created that know? account so she could follow you, I think. <laughs> yeah, because she, you know, like, she's got a thing. No follow. Yeah, you know? yeah that's a art. thing. Yeah, so yeah. she's got a bunch of alt accounts, I guess. <laughs> hey, what uh, I, I just won. <laughs> anyway, I think yeah, we're circling around the great story, and you were going to say, <laughs> yeah. So, like in this, so I feel like we've taken it kind of the crux, like what I would think of as the end of the second act. Like we're like eighty percent of the way through the book, maybe, and mm-hmm. you know, shit has like we've had our initial adventure. It's gotten complexified. We've had our twist, which is that like child is actually using mother. Um, and I was just going to say that like. We do have the grim dark option of like mother at the end is like, you know what? Forget this. I'm a bad mom. Like, I don't know if you remember the scene from the crow where like the mother throws uh, her eggs in the trash. That's kind of a deep cut, but there's a, there's a mother reference in that one and she could learn nothing. And then we would feel like, yeah, the world is essentially meaningless. And like, this was dumb, but kind of interesting. But I love the, I love the stories where our hero goes from, from a to B and then realizes that the answer is neither of these and they come up with something new mm. that's uniquely them that's like uh mm. yeah the really yeah. dorky way to say it is uh thesis uh thesis antithesis synthesis that they come up with a synthesis that's neither of the two like poles they've been bouncing between but it makes sense for both of them that's mm. what i always end up trying to do i when i'm trying Levi. to figure out where my character is going that's super interesting. And the way I wonder if this is a different thing or something that you would say similar. I think of it like I really like stories where a character gets what they need instead of getting what they want. Yeah, totally. It's like they have been seeking whatever, mother or whatever. And then in the end, they realize what they just needed was a re, and maybe for this book it's a reason to live their life in a more pro-social way and to change their life and even if it's not about being a mother and it's about caring for other people instead of living this super reckless life of barbarianism and our anti-hero can maybe even if they don't maybe they killed their son and they were or child and they were a crappy person anyway um who knows we'll decide on that but i love the idea of the lesson that the art barbarian is taking away is like, oh, I do care about other people and I do want to be a like contributing member of society rather than a barbarian who's just going around killing people and things like that. Yeah, like maybe I should check what kind of person they are before I kill them. Like, turns out that my child, <laughs> yep, needed to die. But these Not a bad that I've been ra- raising. Or, yes. And maybe they don't. I mean, when you say it like that, I'm like, maybe they don't kill the child. <laughs> maybe they, I don't or, know. It's or not, maybe it's just a simple it's, lesson of like, maybe if I was nicer to yeah. this person, 
when they were younger and stuck around, that would have sure. put a more positive force into the world, right? It's like, I can't just decide when to be nice and th- expect everything to be okay. I got to be, you know, supportive from the beginning. Ooh. Like, that's the theme. What if there's something we could do where, uh, I don't know, this this is kind of out of nowhere. It's so great. I don't know if it's just it. crap. Yeah. What if the at near the beginning of the book the mother has like just had another child that they were like had oh, just wow. given up okay. right and then like this dagger they have no at the beginning still like oh another kid what number is this oh here's like, an idea here's like an that. idea That's here's an idea this person what if and, like the the, the, the the twist is that the you know the child is evil but what if the mom does something brutal almost that essentially makes the child either total amnesia or like I'm not sure, like half brain dead or something, or whether they're like, who am I? Who are you? And then it's a chance to start over or something like that, where it's kind of twisted because she did something horrible that like wiped this child's identity. But then now it's the opportunity to raise the child again, you know, like that kind of a. But they're an adult, right? Yeah, they're still an adult. Yeah. Raise an adult. It's a little creepy. <laughs> it's or, creepy, uh, yeah. Let me give it. I like. I like. This Levi point. can swing vote us. Okay, so I'm. I'm just gonna go for third option. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I like this idea that like the relationship with this child isn't gonna work out, but perhaps our main character is motivated to have such a relationship that would work out. So what if in that opening sequence or whichever sequence in which uh, she gets stabbed and like needs to find magical cure for it, her friend also gets killed and friend does have a child that she cares ah, about and her dying wish is like ooh, can you great. please go and care for my child she's like what are you talking about i Love took it. a knife to the chest i'm gonna go take care of myself and it's sort of like yes. haunts her throughout she's like wow i know that like this like child is in need of help in this village and so the revelation is that like actually i'm gonna go there and try to do right by my girlfriend. I like that. Yeah. I think thematically that makes a lot of sense. And <laughs> you have two betrayals that then result in an attempt to put some positivity into the world and learn from our our lessons and our mistakes. <laughs> I yeah. think it's brilliant, Levi. I think yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. I I think that uh, Dylan just did some kind of uh, Zoom wizardry where he made a uh, an emoticon appear upon the screen. <laughs> For <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Levi. Uh, My Zoom shenanigans when we have guests on, uh, <laughs> I, you know, they they're, they can't see it in the audio format. So I appreciate when folks bring attention. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he somehow made it look as though he's standing in a burning house. It's just amazing. <laughs> oh, I can do more. <laughs> Charles oh, no, is not going to be pumped that. about some of these <laughs> ideas, but uh, yeah, you know, we were talking. Okay, nice. Ah, nice. I, okay. I have put up my Wheel of Charles covers right now. But before, yeah, I just put a clapping symbol up on the Zoom call, which and a lot of folks probably know. Alone, so. And that was, yeah. And, and I put that clapping symbol up because, Levi, you brought just that incredible <laughs> delivery to the ending of this story to make it wrap back around from this, like, this idea that there is a character at the start sort of potential adopted child uh, that they sort of abandoned, but that child still has time 
with the oh, new man. lessons that our barbarian has learned that w- when she comes back, and I love this idea of it like bugging her a little bit, like being yeah. on her mind the whole time. And then it coming back around where she's learned these lessons and now she's ready to do better next time with this adopted child. Yeah. And that, that's our it. opening betrayal is like betrayal of like her like traveling companion or whatever, like this other barbarian yeah. that she was so tight with. She's like, you know what? No, like your dying wish. I'm not going to do it. And then Ooh, the dying wish is like, please take care of my kid. And she's and like, no, nah, nah. that's great. That's great. Oh, it's great. That, I know, that would definitely introduce this character as an anti-hero for sure. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so I feel like we've got a few, I feel like we've got a pretty good story lined out, and I want to just, like, throw a couple of votes at you. So the one that stands out the most to me is we're at the point where mother is gone, begun to love child, not realizing that it's through manipulation. Then, like, the truth comes out that the child is actually trying to, like, betray the mother and use them. Sure. Mm -hmm. Does mother go ahead and kill child? Or Uh does she just leave? Or does she, like... You know, like what uh, we were dancing yeah. around that topic. So, how dark do we want to go with it? I think she. I think that it makes sense if she kills him yeah. because I think I kind of like this idea of the characters not just growing into this. You know, we're in this priest realm, like this saint uh, who yeah. does no wrong. Like this is a character who has, for let's say, fifty years of her life, for however long been killing people for no reason pretty much or just because they're in their Mm. her way i don't think she's reaching a point in just this story of like oh now i don't even kill people when they explicitly try to kill me it's like if they're trying to kill her i think she's like okay you're done but she did figure out something about herself along the way that an innocent child like the one at the beginning she is very willing to go and try to give care for that's where i'm at where what about you guys I would agree, Dylan. I think it's really, I like that it's a betrayal. So she is heartbroken at this betrayal. But ultimately, this orphaned child antagonist plays her hand in such a way where Mm -hmm. she has to kill her. And then that gives the opportunity for this kind of rebirth and this restart. When we take this other toxic relationship, like, as far as it can go and you see the extent of how horrible this neglect has gone to, to then um, it it just brings back Mm. this idea of being willing to go through it again, just speaks that much more strongly, I think. Yes. Yeah. That's part of the lesson is like this person became such a messed up adult because I neglected them. Like you said, Charles. So Mm -hmm. part of the lesson isn't just, I care about motherhood and I care about being nurturing. I care about not leaving someone to get as messed up as the villain got. Yeah. It's almost tragic and and it's almost, yeah, it's a tragedy really. Cause she's like, I, like, I look at you, my child, and I feel like, I feel sadness and I feel, you know, I, I'm sorry, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the mentality yeah. I would imagine having. Guilt. Yeah, and guilt. Guilt and shame and all these things of, I. it was me, it was my fault. And that facilitates some change in that She could moment. maybe give a nice dramatic and, speech like that over the corpse, too. Like, I'm sorry, this was my fault. You know? Like, <laughs> the dramatic speech that came to mind, and this is because my father and I avoid saying this so heavily, is... She's just going to say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> well, if, you, if it is like a funny tone to, I, I'm curious to see Levi if you do end up being interested in writing this. If you yeah. take a more like humorous tone to it, I, I just think there's a lot of tones you could take here. Yeah, I, I think if you like, did, you would feel out what makes sense. Yeah, I feel like this lends itself to a lighter tone. I mean, I feel like. Uh, that a lot of grimdark i haven't read as much amber Crombie as you guys do but i feel like there's so much humor in it partially because yes. like yes. when it's so dark you need the humor to like make the dark feel darker but also just because like when like in the absence of morality things just become absurd and so there's like a lot of jokes yes. that are possible there so mm. um that sounds really fun to write something like that even though it's like not really my wheelhouse um and just yeah, we believe in you, Levi. That opening <laughs> scene, like what came it. to me, is like a a pretty comic kind of like take on the like last barbarian standing in bloody battlefield. But <laughs> you know, like yeah, she's the aging. I love she it. Like yeah, the past their prime kind. I got of another hip coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I had a couple more quick votes. So another quick vote. Do you think mom finds religion at all during this time? Or is she just like fish out of water who's like, I will never learn to breathe on land? My um, instinct, go ahead, Charles. No, go ahead, Dylan. I, I haven't really put my thoughts okay. together yet. My instinct is that there are things about the religious teachings that mm -hmm. she's picking up on and she certainly learns from it. I think that you know, if you're, if you do end up wanting to write this and you end up like thinking that she finds religion and that's even better than I'd say go for it. But I, the way I imagine is like, she's kind of picking up on some of the wisdoms and seeing how mm -hmm. she could get better from it, but she doesn't totally take it on. Charles, sounds Here's like what I have an idea. Yeah. Because we can do like these callbacks, right? Because there's a lot that the the child, this antagonist, is going to reveal themselves to be a horrible person, but they're going to have some character growth along the way. How sweet would it be if the mother takes some of the good moments that she had with the child and maybe there's a phrase or a philosophy that she, at the very end of the book, teaches to this new child, right? Mm. Like imparting the good lessons of her first child onto the other one. So this idea of religion, she could be like, oh, you know... Uh, she, whatever their religion is, you could see that she was affected by it and was changed by it and is now passing that down yeah. to the kid. You know, I think that's touching and sweet and to have that callback and that repeating of a phrase or something like that could be really thoughtful. It's like, oh, she did love the child, like the antagonist at some level and did learn. And there was some positive moments from that that we were able to take from it. And that makes me feel hopeful as this book ends. You know, like that could be a piece of it. I love that. And I think an alternative to the phrase or whatever is something like physical, like a necklace with a religious symbol on it or something of that nature that mm. she literally takes with her. And maybe she even gives it to the adopted child or something like, I think this all options here. But I think Dylan, we're we're in agreement of there's of, there's influence yes, that's deliberately sure. modeled, but it's not a full on conversion. I'm all about religion now. It, yes. It's like oh, this affect this adventure affected yes. me, and I'm showing that now as I'm going. Yeah, on. maybe she's inspired by like what the religion meant to the child that she did have to kill, and mm -hmm. like taking those good parts and bringing them forward onto the next one. Right. I think that's where yeah. we're coming from. Solid. Uh. So 
Does it still feel like Song of Daggers and Betrayal? Is it Song of Dagger and Betrayal? I feel like it's just one dagger, really, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, so yeah, she's got the dagger. I mean, thematically, dagger speaking, and betrayal needs to be in her heart, right? Mm. Mm. She gets stabbed yeah. in the heart, That's... and then like we haven't really figured out the magic side of this, but I feel like it's like kind of hard to do that we'll leave that up to the right wait 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 (laughs) how yeah well that's the other thing is like what what happens with the dagger at the end right the dagger's still in her heart or well i think that i think that she gets the lifeblood because she killed him well yeah so my my thought was that like in this middle as she's like learning to love this child through manipulation She's starting to accept the idea that she's never going to take the dagger out and she's going uh, to die much sooner, but she'll do it having known and learned to love her child. And how sweet and wonderful is that? She gets into like very humble sacrificing mode. Yes. And then the child is like, yes, and I'll be like sucking your life energy. Wow. While you're good. Like, oh, you're <laughs> actually awful. And just like rips the dagger from her chest and slams it in a child's chest. It, it, like Ooh. the priest gets oh. his desired effect, but it was turned against him and actually ended up keeping the mom alive. I, I think that's and smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, yeah, so she gets that light book. Uh, yeah, and the, I kind of like the idea of killing the kid and then it's like they need life, she needs the lifeblood or whatever. And the kid's like dead already. It's like, why? Well, I know I wasn't going to take that lifeblood and I was going to be noble and sacrifice myself, but like... Well, I think the magic system would just kick in at that moment. Like, she can use the dagger to kill the sun and that it's like a thing. I kind of like that, because I'm just thinking of like a, well, you have to be realistic about these things type (laughs) moment of like, well, they're already dead. But I just think there's so much emotion going on with killing a child. All that, that the magic would speak for itself at that point. It, it kind of gets diminished by a look. well it's there's a corpse here already i'm not just gonna not take the lifeblood <laughs> well abercrombie would probably pull it off in a maybe in but we're of, talking with levi like, right now <laughs> i'm grumpy rather than grim over here that's right yes i, I don't know i think the magic system is definitely something um, that the author yes. will need to interpret but there's some sort of dagger power transfer that can be you know it's almost like the antagonist plan like came to fruition anyway but it was used by the protagonist to keep herself alive essentially uh so i like that and i know with levi's incredible magic system a building (laughs) ability capability for crafting magic systems that sounds better Mm. that we've seen in the tide caller chronicles that he could do something really interesting here so i have the utmost faith Y'all haven't even seen me go like full Sanderson on it. The the um, Empire of Resonance series is a lot more complex and then they have this unpublished one that I was thinking about today when I was listening to your other FCF because there were some similarities there that like mm. it's a lot cooler and more involved than the one in Tidecaller, which I wanted to keep kind of simple. Although I guess it's impossible for me to do that because when you read book two, you'd be like, okay, so <laughs> going deep I- on the magic. <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is a digression, but I'm gonna say anyway because I, I I love the magic system, and I think it's kind of this like Sanderson likes to say a um, depth over breadth type yeah. thing, and I think you you went with exploring all of the possibilities presented by something that is I, I don't want to say simple because I don't think it's simple, but like uh, you went deep into 
one or two really particular premises rather than like trying to make it ridiculously complex. And I like to see those things explored and kind of the way you wrapped it up in the world building and all this kind of stuff. I think it's just, I don't know. I, I really liked what you did with it. And I think you would do to bring it back for, for Charles's sake, who probably wants us on, on task. Um, hey, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> um, to bring it back. I think you would do awesome with this dagger and the magic system in that. So I'd be, Totally, to I've always wanted to see write if you did. magical yeah. weapons. Awesome. Anyway, rolling it back, Levi, do you have any questions uh, that were still remaining? I know you said you, you had a oh, few. Did yeah. you get no, through all I of them? Feel like those were the ones, yeah, I feel like the remaining question is just like, how exactly does this magic system work? But that, I think, is a fairly boring discussion versus the other ones is kind of fun. So I'm, I'm, feeling pretty, I'm feeling pretty caught up on the fantasy that we've created. Yes. Wow. Together. We've done as it. friends. As friends. That's right. As friends. Yes. Not foes. It wasn't foes creating fantasy, but that would be a fun one to do too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys are all stupid. This is all wrong. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That's uh. That we we did it, and I love all of this. But I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm Levi. I hope you. If you do write this, which again, you don't have to. But if you do, we're, I'm open to seeing a new title. This one invites too much. This one invites too much yeah. uh, uh, Game of Thrones comparisons here. I mean, if you're gonna actually yeah. write the darn thing, then you gotta change it. But <laughs> I think the yeah. the prem, like I think the premise of it is really great. And uh, no, I think this is a. I like that we were able to take these tropes and and work them in a new way. And it's almost like Shakespearean's idea of daggers and the hearts and killing family and totally oof, and all the betrayals yeah, and all the betrayals. Yeah. It's so dramatic yeah. and, and it's exciting, spicy. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got the fish out of water and we've got the midlife crisis and like the crisis yeah. not really working out story. I, uh, mm-hmm. one of the movies that I adore is uh, American beauty for it's like, yeah. It's how deep it goes into midlife it's an incredible crisis. movie. So good. It's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and uh, speaking of speaking of tangential works, uh, as we were banging this out, I was trying too close. I was trying hard not to let it go too close to uh, one of my favorite fantasy books of all time that I don't see talked about very much. But and I've only read it once, but I was absolutely in love with it. Uh, Skullsworn by Brian Stavely. Hmm. Are you guys familiar uh, with him? He wrote the Unknown I've read. Throne? Yes, I think I read the first book of the Unhewn yeah. Throne. I'm trying to remember what it's. What that uh, book it was, is called and yeah so uh yeah. the emperor's blades i think that sounds right yeah it's like yeah. three like these three children yep, of, yep. and they go different yeah. ways they're children of the emperor and he dies yeah so that book great is book like pretty good it's like really classic fantasy i think it's interesting like he sort of wrote it in like a vacuum not realizing that fantasy had moved on while he was living in asia i think but anyway, that that aside, like the book that he wrote after he was done with that trilogy is called Skullsworn. It's taking like a minor character from the main series that everybody loved and telling backstory of hers, and it's so good. Uh, Interesting. The the quick pitch is that she uh, is a is a trainee in a like a cult that worships death, and in order to like rise to a full priesthood, seeks out this old flame, trying to get him to love her so that she can then kill him. And I'll just say that there's also a child involved. And God, ah, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I have to check that out. Skull Sworn. All right. Yeah, I mean, you guys have a giant TBR, but like, <laughs> I love that. That's book. okay. It, it needs more. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome, Levi. And I, 
Well, I guess we want to. Do we want to do that popcorn thing? Yeah, we should do the popcorn. Uh, like, yeah. I'm trying Just, to see if I am like physically capable end. of it. <laughs> but we'll give it a try. Why not? And we we've done it every other episode, so I can well. I can start. Okay, it's, please start helpful. us off. Well, you seem worried there, Charles. I, I'll yeah. say, yeah, it starts with... Well, say the a, title of the book. Okay, the title of the book, which is totally open to change, is, what do we learn? Song of Daggers and Betrayal? Yeah. I don't write anything down, so, that, <laughs> so then... It, I got it, I think, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's one dagger and multiple betrayals, though, so... Mm, uh, song I would of Daggers and Betrayals. Yes, and what Charles Charles isn't looking enthused by that one either. So the way it starts is with a barbarian, uh, a woman who's a barbarian, middle aged, and she is kind of past her prime at this point. Levi had these awesome ideas about the like shoulder is aching because <laughs> because it's ra- gonna rain soon or what have you. And she's on one of her classic barbarian situations. She's fighting, she's killing, and she ends up in this situation where she's confronted with a sorcerer. And that sorcerer uh, then implants a dagger in our anti-hero barbarian protagonist's heart and it is just planted there and uh, she needs some sort of lifeblood or something from her child which she abandoned a long time ago along this way we also had her friend uh, who has a child Uh, her friend dies and with their last breath is like, please take care of my child. And our anti-hero protagonist is an anti-hero for a reason. <laughs> and she's like, I've got a dagger in my chest. I can't be taking care of some brat. I'm going to go try to get this dagger situation worked out. And she takes off to go to this uh, priesthood where or whatever it is uh, where she left her child many years ago or their her child's now an adult that's yeah. the yeah. beginning so exactly correct the barbarian in search for the cure goes to this uh, priesthood this monastery what have you and it through some adventures she's able to get in touch with her her child who they, the child is, for valid reasons, not super pumped to see the mom and is like, what, you want me to take care of you now? Like, where have you been, like, my entire life? <laughs> and she's like, okay, I understand that, but you know what? I'm trying to be better, and I really need you. Are you going to help me or not? And then this and this priest is like, okay, fine, I'll help you. And you know, along the way, they have a few connecting moments. They're, you know, finding some common ground. Uh, but for the most part, it's a bit awkward, uh, but they get through it. And then the barbarian, she's like, you know what? Like I've lived my whole life in violence and, and for what, uh, this Mm. downtime that I've had with my child has caused me to see that there may be other things in life than like the pursuit of money or power or work, whatever that, whatever that work is. And 
there's value in family, and I enjoy just being part of this family, even though it's complicated. I think we're making great progress, and I'm excited for what the future holds. And then we get into the next part that Levi will take us home yep. with. <laughs> so, yeah, so then we get to the dark night of the soul, which is that she finds out, like, either because child, like, comes at her or because she finds out some other way because she's clever, just by being a barbarian, she's like, wow, uh, my child has been lying to me. I'm loving what is essentially a fiction because this is not my child at all. Yeah. And there's the potential there for nihilism that like actually not that this path I thought I found is nothing. What I've been doing is nothing. My relationship with my child is nothing. And so she like mm. goes through that and she comes out on the other side, probably uh, in the midst of a struggle with that child in which um, she makes one decision, which is that like, I'm ending this child and taking my life back yeah. through the dagger magic, which has been discussed. But um, she also sees that uh, the feelings that she had, even if they were, even if she was betrayed and manipulated are real ones. And she's found another vocation. Yeah. Maybe she's not even going to stop being a barbarian, but she's going to teach true. this barbarian's child, the ways of the sword <laughs> and also <laughs> share with them the the good things, the good moments that she had, even if it was one-sided with her child while they were reconnecting. And maybe there's yeah. been some inspiration from the religion, even if she didn't end up becoming a priestess. Um, and so the book ends, I think, with her riding off in the sunset, anti-hero barbarian style, looking for her friend's child to then yeah. be the mother that she uh, never was for the child that she's leaving behind her as a corpse. Dun, dun, dun. I, <laughs> I think we did it, guys. I think, yeah. I think we did it. I think we did it, too. Fantastic. Well, there you go, guys. A Song of Dagger and Betrayal. Still open to calling it Dagger of Betrayal and Song. Just saying. Uh, Think about that, or, Levi, yeah, when you're, Charles, when you're Charles in there. Has been, <laughs> Charles Coming has full been circle. The whole time, you know, like this idea of Gently our barbarian anti-hero. <laughs> like the anti-hero barbarian sitting there thinking just ruminating this whole time on the child right. that she but it makes behind. sense now because betrayal and song good and bad and it's all around this dagger that was the whole inciting incident of this whole thing so and it doesn't sound like song of ice and fire so uh, okay at the, at the risk of making this podcast far too long i'm introducing <laughs> a new segment to friends creating fantasy which is now Ooh. what is your favorite scene from this book I'm going to go first because I'm just springing oh. on you. So All right. what's the, what's the one moment that you're most excited about? Um, mm. So yeah, for me, I think it's still that uh, comedic opening scene in which we like get the barbarian oh, trope right. flipped on its head and we like fall in love with this character who's kind of funny and kind of crotchety and also like very much not a mom and uh, like sets us up for the story to be so surprising to see her out of water in so many ways. But in the meantime, is humorous and is still like the scene of like Conan, like with a pile of bodies around him. He's just like a mm. crotchety old female. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that was a great moment. If I had to pick a moment that wasn't that one, I would say probably the end where we have, where I'm not sure if we end it where she's going back to the child or if she has a quick scene with mm -hmm. the new child mm -hmm. and it is clearly showing some influence from the antagonist character. Like I'm just 
I just that to me it it seems like a real full circle moment. It seems yeah. like there is that little glimpse of hope at the end, and it it's also the effort of the barbarian to uh, be better and do better. And so that to me is a moment I think would be really touching that I would look forward to reading. Totally. Yeah. I love the idea of the opening too. So if you didn't say that, I might've said that, but (laughs) yeah, I do have another thing that sticks out to me though, but it's more of an idea because we didn't, I think it would happen, but we didn't flesh out how it would happen, Mm -hmm. which is kind of when, when all the cards are on the table and both of the characters Mm -hmm. are still alive. And there's kind of this like, no, like from the the adult child, like you abandoned me, you neglected me. Like, why are you surprised at all that I did not want you in my life and that I Mm -hmm. saw you as someone to get what I want out of. That's all you ever wanted from me. Like that kind of like, I mean, you didn't even want that at all. And now you want it all of a sudden now, like that kind of moment where the child's airing their grievances, you're kind of like, well, they, you shouldn't like sacrifice people or try to kill them because of it or suck their energy out with the dagger, but mm-hmm. you have a point. And I kind of want that, like that moment to be this big moment. And kind of, you also get the, the protagonist airing like, but I was learning to love you and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And it's like, everyone's got a point here, but like now you're going to try yeah. to kill each other. I do love oh, an antagonist. Yeah. That's not exactly wrong. You know, it's like they have, yeah. they're making oh, good yeah. points. You know, sometimes yeah. you can get a fantasy villain that's just like, I'm evil, uh, pot on thing. But you can also, <laughs> <laughs> but you can also have a character who's like, I have valid concerns. It's like, okay. <laughs> I went a little bit too far with my valid concerns, but they are reasonable if taken it's like, to a reasonable Oh, you extent. make this conflict yeah. that much more conflicting, you know? So yeah. I think that's a great moment, Dylan. That's a good choice. Totally. Yep. Yeah, I, I imagine that moment as like he's like attacking her and trying to like do something and she's like, You're you're awful at this, but she in turn is trying to like be a moral and nice person and she's awful at that. Cause like, yeah, I just like if yeah. I had to pick another moment, it would be the middle like training sequence where she's trying to learn to be a mom and also to be a moral, like religious person. Cause I think it's there's a lot of opportunity for humor when she just like a pretty surprise there and she just like decks them you know because like, this is the life that <laughs> for sure oh uh, yeah those fish out of water moments will be i think fantastic yeah. if anyone can write about water levi <laughs> it is the author of daughter the of tide Ryan, crawler Yuri, chronicles. The tide the tide chronicles. chronicles i mean so we know that the you know anything having to do with water is in the right set hands. this in maybe it'll have to be set in the tide crawler universe <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that would be something. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Well, but this dagger did, magic right? could we have did. some implications. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to yeah, totally the derail. It would be though. tricky to figure yeah. out, but you know what? I believe in myself. I can do it. <laughs> we believe in we you believe as in you well, too. Levi. Whatever vision you have for this story, we support you. And even if that vision is to go off and never think about it again, but because <laughs> it, 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 just the act of creating it was uh, a this huge blast. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Tons of fun. This has been quite yeah. the um, quite the day for friends creating fantasy to have a published author, Spiffbo finalist, <laughs> author of the Tie Collar Chronicles on collaborating with us. Guys, you know that these stories are the real deal now, and we have that kind of pedigree on the show. 
<laughs> the stamp of authenticity. That's right. <laughs> the stamp yes. of authenticity. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Well, speaking of authenticity, uh, I want to make sure that we give you the chance here, Levi, to talk or, oh God, I can't say authentically with the pod. I'm just going to say <laughs> that I'd love for you to let people know where they can find you on the internet, how they can access your books. And we talked a little bit about that social media, all those kind totally. of things. Let's turn it to you. Yeah. So, um, if you couldn't tell from our from our mid episode Lord Grumpy Dark call out, I'm not as good at Twitter and social media in general as I should be. So you can seek me out there, but you may find a team of crickets singing to you. Um, I think I'm going to keep things simple and say that the best place to uh, find out things about me is my website. Go to levijacobs.com/free. That is the spot where you can just pick up uh, audiobooks and ebooks that I have that are shorter, that are totally free, and try them out and see what you think. Um, and if you like them, there are links from that page to to find my stuff on Amazon or to find my stuff on that that direct sales page for my audiobooks that I mentioned. Um, also got audiobooks available through Audible. Um, but that's all easy to find. LeviJacobs.com/free is the place to be. Um, Second book in the Tide Collar Chronicles just came out, Witch of Wealth and Ruin. Yes, it did. Yes, it's a it. book that I'm very proud of. I'm hoping these guys get a chance to read it because uh, <laughs> we'd love to hear what they thought. We will. We um, will. <laughs> yeah, and the third book is is forthcoming, and then another trilogy, and then another trilogy. <laughs> if I stick to my, it's wild. a trilogy of trilogies. A trilogy of trilogies. Oh, that is nothing less. The goal I've set for myself. A trilogy yeah. of trilogies. Yeah. And potentially a spinoff? Who knows? Uh, oh, totally. Yeah, oh, I mean, oh. I'm in that, like, The Empire of Resonance has so many spinoffs I've had to, like, drag myself kicking and screaming away from writing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one is already in progress, and it's a book that I love, so it, yeah. You guys, Levi's a writing machine. You don't want to miss anything that he's cranking out <laughs> over on levijacobs.com slash free. You gotta That's go true. check that out. <laughs> Check him out on Twitter. He, he, he says he's not that active, but you know what? When he is, you want to be there for it. I can attest to that. So hit him up over there as well. And at IR Levi Jacobs. Thank yeah, you. Yes. IR Levi Jacobs. On Twitter. And, and tweet at Lord Grumpy Dark. At your own. <laughs> at your own. Join the peril. hashtag Grumpy Army. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Join the Grumpy Army. And. If you tweet anything about the Tidecaller Chronicles or Taylor Swift uh, <laughs> at Lord Grumpy Dark, then I'm sure that he will respond. I can't speak to the tone of that response or anything like that. I can't be responsible for Lord Grumpy Dark's actions, of course, as a oh, separate person entirely. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> well, Dylan, I, you're not off the hook either. I also, you're on my suspect list for being Lord Grumpy Dark, so... I mean, Lord Grumpy I think... Dark's bio says it's not me. So. Yeah, well, that's the perfect cover. <laughs> Does it say it's not Taylor Swift too? Because I feel pretty convinced that. <laughs> yes, behind all of this. Yeah. This is someone is Lord Grumpy well Dark. enough to drop those memes. That's those true. Juicy, juicy Swift memes. That's true. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it was Sarah from Fiction Fans podcast alibi that she claimed was that 
she was not a big enough Taylor Swift fan to be Lord Grumpy Dark. That doesn't clear her <laughs> a big in my enough eyes. Levi fan, apparently. <laughs> yeah. She did awesome. not, because yep. Lord Grumpy Dark's a huge Levi Jacobs fan. I think claims to be <laughs> world's number one Levi Jacobs fan. Well, and she did not that. say that that was a reason not to be. So maybe she is. She's, she's on the list. <laughs> uh, we'll get to the truth of his identity one day, but until hashtag then, who is LGD yeah, hashtag who is LGD guys, we got to get to the truth. <laughs> but until then, Levi, thank you so so much for coming on the oh, show. Man, my pleasure. At, we yes. we have been looking forward to this since the last time you came on months <laughs> ago, yeah. and yeah. We, it was all we could have hoped for and more. I was awesome. just to have you on the cr- the silliest segment we've ever created to, to, <laughs> to have you come along for the ride. It has been a lot of fun. So thank you for your support, Levi. And we appreciate the opportunity to have you on. Totally. Likewise. So grateful. Yep. Thank All you so right, much, Levi. Guys. Yeah, thank you. And check out Daughter of uh, Flood and Fury and then Witch of Wealth and Ruin. We've read Daughter of Flood and Fury and we endorse it. Check that episode out. And I'm sure we'll be talking about Witch of Wealth and Ruin very soon. So I think without any more delay, I think we're ready to wrap this episode up. What do you guys think? That sounds that sounds appropriate. Yep. Right. You've got a book to write, gentlemen. That's right, yeah. we do. I guess I'll play the music, uh, but get that uh, sweet, sweet outro music let, pumping. Let, let's oh, do it. We need to blast it. That's right. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast, and thank you for listening to Levi Jacobs as well, who lended his voice and his amazing storytelling talent to Friends Creating yes. Fantasy today. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show and or Levi Jacobs, go to at IRL Levi Jacobs, give that a follow, and go over to if you then have the time to the FTF podcast with a number one at the end. And uh, Dylan, if they wanted to support the show even further and they just so happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast. Just... Just click that Friends Talking Fantasy page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll down past all those episodes until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the optimal number of stars to click to support the show would be five. Oh, that's too kind. Too kind. You know, I like to... You know, I like to give openings. You know, if they, you thought this was a four-star performance, I understand. I will not accept five anything less number. than five. I'll track you no. down. <laughs> you heard it. So here Levi first, might guys. track you down if you go if less than gonna five. You're going to rate the best people. That's right. Oh, that's nice. And I'll leave a review if you have extra time, but just listening is more than enough. Thank you so much. Just listening, guys. You're the best. Uh, Levi Jacobs, again, Witch of Wealth and Ruin out now. What are you waiting for? The audiobooks, guys. Check those out as well. Thank you all so much for listening and playing along with us today. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.